What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. It is Monday, October 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself today because we are about to air my interview with Anastasios Arima of Iperion X. Before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Here on the planet today, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. And with that, we're going to get right into the interview. Today on the planet today, we are joined by Anastasios Arima of Iperion X. Iperion X has breakthrough titanium technologies that have demonstrated the potential to produce titanium products that are sustainable, 100% recyclable, low carbon intensity, and at product qualities that exceed current industry standards. Anastasios also serves as a non-executive director at Piedmont Lithium Limited, a $1 billion plus lithium mining company that also aims to play a big part in creating a clean energy economy in the United States. Anastasios Arima, welcome to the planet today. Hi, hey, thanks Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you. So let's take this back a couple steps, and I'd like to ask you what first got you in just, uh, interested in environmentalism and sustainability as a whole. So uh, coming back to uh, you know treating the the planet in the right way. I mean, I come out of the minerals extraction industry, so I, as you can hear, I'm Australian. I grew up in Australia, but I'm Greek by background. Uh, and I grew up in Perth, Western Australia, where there's a very heavy focus on minerals extraction for different commodities. Uh, back then, what I focused on was driving commodities for, for uh, say, the China boom that happened in the early 2000s. So there I learned a lot about, you know, the impacts of what mining could have or extraction could have on the economies. And then um, as I grew my own businesses, I was the founder of a few companies early on. And then I moved to the United States. And as I got older and get and uh, had more operational uh, control, I, you know, one, it's it's the right thing to do. But two, uh, I want to make sure that people understand that uh, what we take uh, out of the ground or what we grow on the ground, all these industries can be in harmony with uh, with the rest of the environment. There's ways to do it where where it can be. So for me, it's more just like a legacy of, you know, we. it's not back 100 years ago where they didn't care. We care. Mm-hmm. We're part of this uh, world. And uh, and so I want to make sure that uh, Iperion X and, and my previous company, Piedmont Lithium, I'm not on the board anymore. I stepped off the board, uh, but I was founder of that company. I gotcha. want to make sure that um, – 
we we are in harmony with everything that we're we're doing yeah it's really interesting now that you know like you said a lot of several years ago people just didn't really care as much and you know some of that you could you could chalk up to ignorance of of not really knowing the impacts we were having but as we've gotten further along people know what's going on with precious metal mining or a carbon intensive energy system and to see people coming out in forces really caring and saying i'm going to support the right causes with my wallet i'm going to really act on what's right for the planet is really exciting especially now that you're seeing it's not only the right thing to do it's profitable like there's a lot of money to be made in renewables in electric vehicles so you have this kind of balance now that we didn't see 20, 30, 50 years ago, where it used to be, we're picking between our wallet or environmentally friendly products. Now the, all roads kind of intersect at, here's what we're doing. This is a great time to get involved with it. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, you see, it's come down to the consumer and I think the consumer has got a lot more power now with uh, with social media. You know, everybody's got a camera on their phone. I grew up mm -hmm. where, you know, and I'm not that old, I'm 38. I grew up where I didn't have a camera on my phone. I'm having a Nokia. You remember that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, and now you've got a camera on your phone. There's that instant, you know, if something happens across the globe, the, the consumer can see it. So, and that goes from everywhere from taking a picture if you're in Italy to, you know, taking taking a picture of a sweatshop or taking a picture of a, a, a poorly run mine or something like mm -hmm. that. So so it's become more evident and, and I think then that sort of somehow flows through to, well, people will pay that extra, like I pay pay more for my water, you know, if it's B0 and, and yeah. that. So, um, you know, you do, you do have that and I think that's going to increase, you know, you pay, you have a lot more focus like with Apple and and uh, and the Fords and the GMs of the world on recycling materials, better supply chains for the materials, mm -hmm. the sustainability reporting. I definitely think it's come a long way and it's going to continue to go a long way. And it takes time. You know, when you say you want to be sustainable, the next day it just doesn't happen. You know, just yeah. like just like when the government does these fantastic things like the Chips Act, the IRA, it's going to take time for those funds to come through. But it's the it's a it's progress in the right direction. And I think in the next five ten years. We can really clean up industry and and it can be all done and at the same time like you say also be profitable to do it the right way yeah absolutely so let's talk a little bit about your current company Iperion x so mm -hmm. how'd you first get involved there and what does Iperion x do so Iperion x is a company that is focused on reshoring the titanium, a sustainable source of titanium metal in the US, uh, but going a bit further than that. So not just making it more sustainable, because currently the titanium metal supply chain, like a lot of metal supply chains, are very carbon intensive. Titanium mm -hmm. metal in particular is extremely carbon intensive. A lot of it uh, is produced in Russia and China. Very, very, one of the most highest carbon intensity, uh, intensive metals on the planet. Uh, it's not 100% circular today. There's a lot of loss uh, and it can't be 100% recycled today. Uh, and so the focus is not just making uh, titanium metal, which which is reshored in America, but making it through a process which we have, uh, which was developed by the Department of, or funded by the Department of Energy, developed by Dr. Zach Fong at the University of Utah to make it low or net zero carbon uh, to bring full recyclability to the to the titanium supply chain. We're the only company that can do 
recycled titanium metal powders for additive manufacturing. And then to bring down the cost of titanium metal so that we can substitute out steel or carbon intensive aluminum uh, to produce products which are which are not just made from titanium, which sounds better, people pay a premium mm-hmm. for it, but is lighter, stronger, more corrosion resistant. So you can imagine if you make a phone or a watch or something like that, that from the get-go, it's it's manufactured sustainably. It goes in and it's a sustainable product with low carbon intensity. And then at the end of its life, it's fully recyclable as well. But that end of life is far longer because it's more corrosion resistant, so it's got a lot more wear. So it's that that's the intent. That that is the vision of Iperion X. Bring a disruptive um, essentially bring an age of titanium where we can use a metal which is far more sustainable and one hundred percent recyclable. That's really cool. So to put it very very quick summary there, you're kind of taking every step along the way and streamlining it in a way that the product will last longer and then once it's time to get rid of it. You're not just throwing it into a landfill. It's getting fully reincorporated into that next product absolutely. for your company. That's that's really cool. Yeah, full circularity, absolutely. And all done with net zero emissions. Amazing. So what role does Iperion X play in the transition to uh, cleaner sources of energy in general and, and reducing global emissions as it stands now? So if we can substitute uh, aluminum and steel um, in products uh, with a net zero emission uh, metal like titanium, then you're reducing a significant amount of carbon emissions out of the metal supply chain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then in addition to that, uh, in the transportation sector, um, and I was the founder of Piedmont Lithium, which is focused on electric vehicles, lithium for electric vehicles, you can see that the battery pack is very heavy. And that's got to Mm -hmm. not just with the contents, but also because you've got uh, steel and steel structure supports and all that for for the pack. So if you can introduce something like titanium to the manufacturing of electric vehicles, titanium is 45% lower weight than steel. So all of a sudden you can have lighter weight electric vehicles and thus have longer range of electric vehicles or use less batteries for the same amount of amount of range. So you you can help accelerate um, and help uh, invigorate the the use of electric vehicles across the globe um, by lightweighting lightweighting those electric vehicles. And for me, it's it's lightweighting not just electric vehicles for passengers, but for mm-hmm. trucks, for you know your UPS van, those sort of things. Yeah, something we talked about on the show a couple months ago. Now we were talking about um, plastics and how. Plastics, a lot of people realize it's a problem, but we don't really think that as many people realize how big of a problem it is. Uh, And the thing that we were talking about was recycling of aluminum and glass and how that's much easier to do. I think we found that 76% of aluminum that has ever been used is still in circulation today. Mm -hmm. So the downside was the weight. And that's why a lot of companies that are mass producing drinks, for example, will go towards plastic bottles. It's to cut down on their weight. So to have something like you're talking about here where the transportation sector really, really has an incredible impact by lowering the weight of what is in each electric vehicle and extending that range, that's going to have a twofold impact here where, you, like you said, you're able to transport further while also reducing emissions by being able to recycle better. So. Yeah, I really like this this full approach that you're taking here. Yeah, absolutely. 
no, it's a it's a it's a very good point. You can take more cargo with uh, mm-hmm. with with a lower weight vehicle, and you know it's the right thing to do to go to electric vehicles. They're just better vehicles in general. They they mm-hmm. really are, um, and they'll only get better. Um, but uh, but it's going to take time. Um, but if you can reduce their weight and increase cargo um, on a on on the on the last mile, right? Mm-hmm. The UPS vans on the you know the Whole Foods vans and the Publix vans and stuff and stuff like that. It's going to make a big difference to to you know what you can then store in there as well. Absolutely, that's a good point. Awesome. So I want to talk to you some more about energy independence in general and kind of how current war in Ukraine has impacted global uh, titanium supplies and our whole outlook on on really energy independence, how that's shifted in the past six months now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm not, I was involved in uh, the energy space um, and now in critical raw materials for the transition economy, it's a bit, it's a bit there. We're, We're heavily dependent on building a, a resilient grid as mm-hmm. we as we grow and i think again there's been some a lot of work by the government here in the us to put money into that uh, and that again it doesn't happen overnight but it happens mm-hmm. over, over some time um and i think over the next uh over the next five and ten years and 20 years this it's going to be wobbly. There's going to be ups and downs as you move towards um, towards renewables, but there needs to be, you know, an orderly transition out there. But I think in the long term, having solar power, having wind power, mm-hmm. you know, free sources of fuel e- effectively is going to be a net positive over the longer term. And there needs to be, it's going to take time, um, but I'm hopeful uh, that uh, when that is all said and done and all put in place, that, um, you can have independent sources of energy, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, here in this country, in the US, I think we can. In Europe, unfortunately, with what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, it's putting the pressure on the right now, and mm-hmm. um, because they are still heavily dependent on fossil fuels, and, and so are we here in the US. Yeah, and there needs to be some short-term solutions there where we can help. But I think the eye, you know, the eye can't be taken off what needs to happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, to, to move towards economies where, you know, you have cleaner uh, sources of power. Yeah, it's 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 very tough, and I, I definitely don't envy the people who are making those decisions as to are we going to fully cut supply to certain neighborhoods, certain communities that are more reliant on fossil fuels versus what's better for us long term. And unfortunately, hindsight's twenty twenty. The answer would have been, hey, 15, 20 years ago, we should have started implementing more renewables into the grid. It's a lot easier to say now looking back on it, but I'm hopeful that, first off, hopefully something like this wouldn't happen again in the next decade or so with uh, a country invading another foreign country that is self-dependent, self-governed. But if that were to happen again, hopefully we don't have this kind of handcuff behind us saying, we need to keep the lights on for our people we currently get a lot of fuel from whatever country this is. In this case, it's Russia. You know, we can't just stop buying their gas right away. So it's it's difficult, but I'm hopeful that as solar, as wind, um, geothermal, as all of these kind of boost the current grid more, we're not running into these same sort of issues. Yeah, 
and I think um, I think with the work that's going on, and and you said it before, there's money to be made in it. So yeah. there's there's a lot of uh, private financing going into these sort of things. And what I think you'll see is you don't need a big two gigawatt uh, fossil fuel power station now. You can mm-hmm. have microgrids. You know, you can mm-hmm. have a solar power farm. Part of um, you know uh, powering. Uh, a, a set of houses out in a rural community um, rather than build one big, 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 big plant. So you can have much more of a distributed grid mm-hmm. uh, and that to be built out over time, which would be a more resilient grid. Because if you imagine if you take out one power plant, you shut down a gigawatt, well, that's pretty bad. But if you have, uh, you know, 20 or 30, 10 megawatt um, facilities, solar farms with batteries or with some sort of energy storage, around the country in different communities, then then that's much more resilient. It's going to take time to get there, though. So there needs to be a transition out. Um, but you can see that happening with uh, with with solar, with wind in, in certain communities. Yeah, I was also reading uh, last week, actually, when there was an article that was published about microgrids, and they were saying response time for blackouts can be cut in one-fourth. Because right now, you know, you have these these large grids in a lot of areas where it takes time to identify where the outage was, what the issue was, and how you fix it. If you condense that, right, and it's just each development or neighborhood, for example, has yeah. its own microgrid, it's a lot easier to pinpoint what the issue is. Yeah, absolutely. It just switches on immediately. <clears throat> yeah. You can if it's got the right storage. It needs to be thought about, but yeah. there's a lot of money going into it, and there's a lot of smart, smarter people than me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> same, same here. So I want to talk more about titanium. So the U.S. is the largest consumer of titanium in the world. How important is it to bring titanium production stateside and how can this be done in an environmentally responsible way? Yeah, so we use titanium uh, specifically for uh, a lot of aerospace and medical needs here in, in the U.S., um, we could use, if it was cheaper, like what we're going to make it, we could use it in a lot more applications. Um, mm-hmm. And we should. It's a better metal, uh, and we should use it in a lot more applications. But right now, titanium metal is, uh, we are 100% import reliant on, on the raw metal sponge itself. Uh, we then blend that with scrap, with a little bit of scrap, and we, we make titanium metal ingots and then make products. I think there's a holistic approach here where we need to not just make it cheaper, make it more sustainable, but bring mm-hmm. it all home just so we have a resilient source of our own raw materials here in North America because it's not just – it's not a met- metal that just goes into golf clubs and things like that. Yeah. Um, it is a metal that's crucial to some of our key key industries in aerospace defense, and I'm hoping in the future it's going to be crucial to some more of our industries in uh, – in you know electric vehicles and and more of the transition economy industries as well. So let's talk about that then. Uh, I'm I'm very curious about what role you see titanium and specifically your company Hyperion X playing in electric vehicles and in our transition to electric vehicles. Supply of uh, supply of a metal, um, supply of that lightweight metal that's needed to to help make electric vehicles more. Long, have longer range, have longer life, and be more sustainably produced as well. That really is where we see ourselves fitting into the automotive side of the electric vehicle supply chain, um, is really being a sustainable source of a raw material, which also makes the, the electric vehicles a more sustainable mm-hmm. and, uh, and a longer lasting and a longer range um, option for the consumer, uh, and thus hopefully 
having more consumers want to buy it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the way that the market is trending right now. You know, a lot of automobile manufacturers have said we're not going to make new internal combustion engine vehicles by 2035, 2040. And just recently, California passed a law stating that they're not going to sell new internal combustion vehicles mm-hmm. as of 2035. So, you know, to see that this is the way we're headed, it's it's good to hear from people like you and, and know that this isn't just going to be something where consumers are kind of left hanging, where it's the current state of electric vehicles today in 2022 that's what it's going to look like in 13 years when you can't buy an ICE vehicle in California it's good to see that you know we have this proactive region of, of different technologies coming together and saying we're going to make EVs better we're going to make renewables better battery storage better so by the time this all comes into play where we're 100% reliant on those it's going to be a really really exciting time to be a fan of clean energy and clean tech. Yeah, I think so. I completely agree. I think I imagine the vehicle, the first vehicles went through this back in the 1910s, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I imagine there was a lot of, you know, <laughs> papers saying, why trade in the horse for some vehicle? Yeah. And you could imagine 10 years, 15 years later, it's not going to be where it is today. Already look at where it was 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, there was nothing. <laughs> there was the Tesla Roadster. Yeah, yeah. We've got you know, now we've got some pretty amazing cars. It is only going to get better. Yeah, and the OEMs are there looking to make it better, but the entrepreneurs are there in and the, like you say, the money's there for funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, groups like us, we just uh, finance finalise the financing today from some more sustainability focused investors. Um, you know, funding is there for. Uh, this transition economy. So it's it's only going to get better. In two years' time, it's going to be better, let alone 10 years' time. Yeah, it's really exciting to think about, you know, like you said, a decade ago, electric vehicles look very different. And now we have electrical pickup trucks that, you know, if there's a power cool, outage, right? you can use it to power your home for several days. Yeah. So technology is yeah. only getting better and it's it's quick. It's so it's so cool. Yeah, it is. It is very quick. Yeah, it was iPhone came out what two thousand seven or eight. Yeah, probably around then. I mean, dude, like this—that's thirteen years, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, let's—it's going to be far different. Like, let's not stay in the past. Let's do it. Let's stay ahead of the game, and as a country, let's stay ahead of the game because that's what we have always been. So why don't we do it uh, now with this huge opportunity in the transition economy? The US played such a big role in the previous horse and buggies to automobiles. Mm -hmm. We can. We can do the same thing. The U.S. played a massive role in the development of steel and aluminum. Now it can play a massive role in the development of titanium as well. Absolutely. So last question for you. Where do you see Iperion X in the next five years? You know, what's your or maybe 10 years? What's what's next for you and your company? The five years, we should be fully scaled on 100 percent recyclability. So making hopefully it eking out all the efficiencies of recycling as much of the titanium scrap in the supply chain today mm-hmm. uh, and making it fully circular. Uh, and in 10 years time, you know, I, I would hope that we're a big player in, in the supply of raw metal um, or metal components into uh, those new electric vehicles. We, we will be and we hope to be in the next five years, but in the next 10 years, I would hope that we're, we're really big there. Amazing. We are we are rooting for you here. Right. So we end all of our interviews with three fun rapid fire questions. Oh, I am horrible. 
horrible that though is, but let's go. <laughs> That's all right. The, the ongoing joke is they never turn out to be rapid fire, no matter how hard we try. So no pressure. <laughs> okay. First one. What is your favorite animal? Uh. That's a hard one. A cat. <laughs> All cat. right. Yeah. Cat. Awesome. Yeah, we love cats. So number two, what is something that you do personally to be more sustainable in your own life? Uh, recycle. I think really. plastic as well. Recycling plastic. Big one. I agree. The plastic going into the ocean is horrible. So yeah, we're good with that. Yeah, it's, it's again, this is where we derail with the rapid fire, but it's so frustrating that, you know, you see nine percent of plastic that we recycle ends up getting recycled but that's not to say that we should stop it's to say that the system needs to improve like keep doing what you're doing if you're listening now don't get discouraged at your own recycling ability get discouraged at the system and let's let's mobilize and make changes but we got to keep doing it but us as our peer index we also have done some recycling events down in camden tennessee where some of our mineral operations would be that's uh and and we're big on that but here as well for me it's like let's let's not use plastic cups let's use cups. let's try and use you know the there's a B zero company that does water and uh you know when i'm out i try to buy that the water bottles in the in the um carton cups so mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. paper can yeah. be recycled and, and it's biodegradable as well so you know things like that can make a make a big difference i think yeah absolutely reducing consumption is is always number one there so okay last rapid fire question for you what is one environmental topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today um so you guys do a lot of recycling which is good uh one other topic that i think uh you should be aware of is there there is potential to make the metal. People talk a lot about this raw material supply chain for electric vehicles being carbon intensive and, and not done well. There is, there, in all those, almost all those inputs into an electric vehicle, there are ways to make it more sustainable. So there's a lot of people that are dishing out on an electric vehicle, oh, it's way, you know, it's all made in China, all that. It can all, almost, Every piece of that supply chain can be brought home to America. Mm-hmm. Almost every piece, you know, there's some pieces maybe, but a large chunk of it can be done sustainably and can be done in the US. So, uh, you know, don't be discouraged by people saying it's because today, yes, it's carbon intensive. It's a lot. It's going through China. And, you know, there's, there, it is a lot. It is unsustainable, in my opinion, some, some of those things. But in the next five and 10 years, it can be done sustainably and it can be done. Uh, in harmony with the environment. Awesome. All right. Anastasios, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun. Definitely learned a lot about IPRNX, about titanium, and about just the EV industry in general. So thank you very much. No problems at all. So if people want to keep up with you or keep up with IPRNX, where is the best place to do that? So we have uh, my team uh, does a really good job with LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, and TikTok. It's just at Hyperion X, I think. Uh, I think that's what it is. I don't even have Twitter, so I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I see the TikTok stuff. It's hilarious. But uh, at Hyperion X. Awesome. We will link that in the show notes. We'll link your website as well. Um, so if you're listening, go swipe up and, and go give them a follow and go check out the website. Appreciate it. And that will do it for today's episode of TPT. Thank you again to Anastasios for his time today, and please make sure to hit the link in your show notes to learn more about his company, Iperion X. Nick and I will be back on Friday for some quick hits to get you into your weekend, but until then, make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for clips from the show. For the Planet Today, I am Matt Norton. See you on Friday. Mm-hmm.